and welcome to this edition of Open Sources Guelph, the special edition of the show from CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico, and joining me shortly will be Scotty Hertz, the co-host of Open Sources Guelph, which is a CFRU political and current affairs discussion show that you can find every Thursday at 5 p.m. as we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and around the world. And we do sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians. Like the slate we have for you in this special edition, the candidates running in Ward 5 here in Guelph. As you may know, we have been dedicating the last several weeks to interviewing the candidates from all around the different wards. There has been a lot of mix and match throughout this process. But these here in this special edition of the show are candidates who are just running in Ward 5. And they are, in alphabetical order, Leanne Caron, Kathy Downer, Hersham Gennady, and Denise Renault. I know that it seems weird that we're putting the incumbents right there up front, but I says, as I said, it is alphabetical order, and that's the way the proverbial cookie crumbles sometimes. So... Without further ado, here are the Ward 5 candidates that we interviewed for Open Sources, and that gets started right now. Okay, so Leanne Caron, thank you so much for joining me today. Great, thanks Adam. Always great to have conversations with you. You know the city like the back of your hand, so uh, ask away. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, you know, flattering the interviewer before the interview, but... Um, I was asking uh, a fellow incumbent who is a little to the south of you this in one of the interviews we're doing this week. So I'll ask you kind of the reverse question. And that is, uh, because of the ward redistribution, uh, is Ward 5 feeling a bit bigger this election? It does. We have 11,000 households, which I think makes us the second largest ward. Um, ward in fact, by about a couple hundred were larger than Ward 6. Now it will redistribute over time as growth is happening in Ward 6. Uh, but Ward 5 does definitely feel different. Um, my early campaigning was in the new part of Ward 5 um, with a special flyer just for the new residents of the new boundary. So I'm I'm hearing different different things at the door. Do, are, uh, in, just in terms of how far it's penetrated in terms of the awareness that uh a lot of your new residents are in are now under sort of your jurisdiction is is there a lot of awareness are you getting a lot of surprise what are you doing here yes there are definitely people who said they didn't realize that they changed words there are definitely uh, also households that didn't realize there was a municipal election uh so a little bit of awareness spreading and and uh, a new level of listening on both sides okay then I'm going to ask you this, and it is by no means uh, an insult to your longevity as a council member, but you have, this is your fifth term you're running for. Uh, you have uh, four sort of uh, new people uh, who are running against both you and your board mate, uh, the fabulous Miss Downer, and uh, who Kathy also has had a, a long and lengthy career, though she did take a bit of a break from council. So I guess... In terms of um, where you're coming from, what is the appeal of experience versus the appeal of uh, new blood, as it were? Well, 
Well, that's a great question because I still feel young and new in this role because the issues keep changing and the dynamics of, of a growing city keep changing. Uh, so I feel that that uh, I still have something to offer because number one, I have to finish what we started. We were talking about a library in my first term. Uh, <laughs> number two, uh, we have serious challenges facing us. I worry about what the province has in store for us, um, both in planning and development where overriding local planning decisions uh, the new strong mayor's uh, legislation that will reduce democracy. Um, so we need strong, experienced councillors. Also, I've always believed that we need uh, a constant cycle of old and new. Um, that succession planning is part of what I'm going to be doing from four years from now. And if there's a voice in Ward 5 that can represent my values and my issues, I'm happy to, to pass over the reins um, in the next election. I think that's incumbent on any you know um, uh, elected council. Um, but in this particular election, we have a one-third turnover. We have four vacant seats. Uh, and now more than ever, we need that experience on council because one-third of our council is going to be new regardless of what happens in Ward 5. Mm -hmm. And so that mentorship, that passing of the uh, the knowledge um, and allows us to hit the ground running. We can't afford to spend a year uh, training too many new councillors. We need to be able to make uh, decisions and get moving on the business of the city immediately. You may be kind of tap dancing around this, but I mean, they're speaking of the potential new faces on council a lot of those people maybe not a lot but definitely a few of them are running on the idea of um i think a lot of the projects you care about you mentioned the library specifically they um uh have let's let's put it this way they have some doubts um so i guess is are, are you worried about um there being sort of enough of that push pull on council that um staying the course uh pursuing a lot of these projects that you've helped shepherd and a lot of your fellow counselors have helped shepherd versus um, maybe a more reactive bent that, you know, the city's growing too far, too fast, too much, too high, too over budget. Yeah, another great question. Um, there's definitely during the elections, there's an ideological approach to um, issues in the city. Um, there's a lot of data, a lot of research, a lot of um, needs analysis and budgeting and policy direction that have gone behind so many of those decisions. So the, the, the horse is out of the the, the barn, um, not just the horse, the whole stampede's out of the barn. Uh, <laughs> on things like the, the library and the South End Record Center, we have all the data behind that. We've got years, decades of development charges, budgeting, capital budgeting, and we cannot put other projects like the Baker District at risk. Reopening something like the library reopens the entire Baker District um, project. Um, we can't put that at risk because it's tied directly to downtown redevelopment, which is tied directly to our 40% uh, growth in the downtown built up area, which is tied directly to economic development. Uh, it's all interrelated. Um, one issue like the library has so many layers to it. Um, and that's what goes back to experiences. There, there are studies and hundreds and hundreds of pages of, of, of data behind that decision. Uh, and four, five, six terms of council. Um, so yes, an election, it's always a time to talk about those issues, but it has to be an informed conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, part of that conversation, I imagine, and I've given you the honorific of Wells Heritage Minister, but um, 
I, I, I was talking to Alex Smith of, uh, from the from the Yorkland's Green Hub, and I realized uh, the old reformatory land is not part of your ward, but I imagine um, it is a point of concern. It could, it could be. It it could could be. be. It's right, right on the edge. It's, yeah, it's right on that edge. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> almost on the other side of the uh, your border. Um, but, you know, heritage is something that always struggles for airtime, and you would think that maybe with that piece of property in particular, it would be maybe a more of a major election issue is is that concerning to you not really and heritage um is not just about aesthetics and pretty buildings and it's it's not just an emotional issue and i know i i have that reputation of maybe being a little stronger on the on the heritage file but it, again the complex layers are about economic it's a uh, development it is about environmental the best uh the most uh, green building is the building already built. Uh, adaptive reuse uh, has actually been shown to have uh, better return on investment than de demolition and reconstruction. Uh, there's lots of uh, reasons why heritage retention is important for our city, and it isn't just because something you know looks pretty. Um, the innovation district is about balance in my mind. It's about balancing the green spaces and the the wetlands. It's about redeveloping that for a whole range of new purposes to generate jobs and residences and 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 we know about the housing crisis um but take the buildings that have uh, cultural heritage value and find an adaptive reuse for them that fits in with that site. Um, that is all possible in that district. We've called it the Innovation District for a reason. We want it to be net zero. We want it to be sustainable. We want it to integrate into the community in a really positive way. Um, the value of those lands is, is we're right on the cusp of doing something amazing that has the return on investment. And that's the important part of heritage is that, that I voted for demolitions. You know, a good example is the old textile cotton mill at the, the train station. Mm -hmm. um, a heritage building that had lots of cultural heritage value. But I voted, again, I voted for demolition because it meant that we got all day two-way go. So mm -hmm. it's about balancing. Uh, and that's the approach I take when making those decisions. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use that as a jumping off point because the one heritage district that we do have in Guelph is in your ward. Um, and I'm wondering in terms of, and I know Councillor Rourke's talked a lot about this, um, sort of the, the making the south part of Guelph, and now that you're kind of dipping into that area is part of your ward, kind of feeling making it feel as if it's a part of Guelph and not this like weird appendage we have. Um, is there opportunity uh, in the next term, you know, given that, you know, Ward 5 is bigger now that maybe Ward 5 becomes, I guess, maybe a, a transition area where, you know, we kind of bring the South End more into the, the rest of Guelph. Yeah, I mean, geographically, when you look at Ward 5, we have the downtown on our northern boundary. And we have Ward 6 in the southern agricultural annexed lands from Puslinch from the 1990s on the, on the southern boundary. So, and, and the university smack in the middle mm -hmm. uh, and the arboretum smack in the middle. So we've got a real diverse um, transition zone uh, and the river. Uh, and the Hanlon Creek uh, Preservation Park area. So there's there's a real um, mix uh, in Ward 5. Um, but Ward 6 has a lot of heritage. Our agricultural history, the farmhouses, some of the, I mean, Arkell Road and Victoria, or Arkell Road and Gordon, 
we approved a development there last night at council. Um, actually predates Guelph. It's called Hamilton Corners and the Hamilton family settled there in the 1830s. Um, that is a settled area. We see it as a new area, but it's actually not. Uh, the village of Arco predated Guelph. The village of, of Hamilton Corners predated Guelph. Uh, and the early families that settled there um, um, were, were part of a, a, an early uh, heritage that's still there. The other part of New Guelph and Old Guelph that I think we need to do a better job of recognizing is um, as part of our truth and reconciliation commitment is that those lands predate settlement as well. Mm. And so if we can incorporate in as we're city building, uh, if we can incorporate some of those elements uh, to recognize what was here before us, before Ward 6 or Ward 5 even existed. <laughs> Yeah, that's something we do uh, let slip our minds a little too mm -hmm. uh, conveniently that uh, there was people here before uh, Ward 6 and Ward 5 and all the wards and all of Guelph. So perhaps to finish up, the most important question of all is where can people learn more about your campaign? Uh, best place to start is the website, uh, Leanne Caron, L-E-A-N-N-E-C-A-R-O-N, -E all one word, uh, dot C-A. Uh, and I'm available on every social platform, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, and uh, uh, email at leanne at word5.ca. And I'm responding to emails daily, uh, requests for signs, um, and just to uh, challenge me, ask me questions. I, uh, <laughs> I, I believe everyone should make an informed vote. And uh, I think that's you know foundational to our democracy. And I'm happy to uh, address questions about my past record. Some people think an incumbent that should be easier. I think it's actually harder because I have a record I have to defend. I'm accountable for everything. Thing I've done in my past terms of council and, and and I'm proud of that record of service so feel free to reach out to me. The gauntlet's been thrown down so Leanne Caron thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks Adam. Okay Kathy Downer thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that little sarcastic laugh at the end. Um, <laughs> Always happy to be with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get down to business. Uh, I asked uh, your current ward mate this question, so I'll ask it of you as well. Um, is Ward 5 feeling a bit bigger this time as you're out pounding the pavement? Yes, it is. It is. And it, it's all... <laughs> There's that because it's it's getting to know that new part of your ward and like it goes all the way to Arkle. And uh, there's a lot of space that's undeveloped within that area too, which is unusual. We usually have really established neighborhoods in our ward. So that's that's the case. And, you know, also a sense of loss because, I mean, the other side of the river between, um, you know, between the Wellington and Waterloo, you know, I was fairly connected to those neighborhoods. And so, you know, I'm feeling a bit of a loss not <laughs> having them as well this time. So have to yeah. make new friends and that's say right. goodbye to old yeah. friends. Yeah. And I, I can appreciate how that might be a bit harder for you, uh, given your uh, longevity on council. Uh, so I again, I asked this to Leanne, and I want to get your two cents too, because you're, you, you are both running for re-election. You've both been on council for a while and you're running against four new people. So I guess uh, when you know, you're pitching yourself to voters, um, why should they choose experience over sort of new blood, as it were? 
Um, well, that, that's, a, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think, you know, it, there's a lot of challenges facing Guelph right now around growth, around the mental health and addiction issues, around affordable housing, around a number of issues. And I think that experience really does matter. And the corporate memory is really important as well. Um, so I, I, I don't know, like, you know, I, and I, Leanne may have said this too, like change for the sake of change. Um, I, I believe that I still am an effective voice on council. Um, I bring a lot of stuff forward that has positive outcomes. And also for me, I think, I think 20 years is a, a testament to my success. I think the fact that I have been returned to, to Ward 5 and as a representative for them um, is, is not a sign that we need change, but is a, a, a symbol of my success as uh, somebody who has represented the ward well. I want to take advantage of that longevity for a minute. And, um, you know, a lot of people are talking about all the different pressures that are facing us right now. And in terms of challenges facing the city, um, how would you rank, I, I guess, the challenges that are facing us right now in terms of like all the elections you fought, you know, is this sort of the toughest in terms of all the things that people are concerned about? You know, I think, you know, that's good. That, that's another really good question. I think it is. I, I, you know, sometimes it feels a little overwhelming. Some of it, like it's, and I think some of it is, is that you, part of it is, is that it, some of it is out of our control. Like it's not the affordable housing. There's some things we can do to it, but really it's a market driven issue and we need the province and the feds to get in on that. And the, the mental health and addiction issues, um, while we're on the front line of that, the services are provided by the province. And, you know, that that's a huge um, issue in our community. So from that perspective, um, sort of educating and getting that message out about what we need to do and what we need to be able to do around advocacy with those other levels of government, you know, having integrated comprehensive responses to those um, is, is a, is a, is a bigger plate full, let's put it that way. Um, it, it's, it's more, there's more involved, I think, and, and trying to talk to people around these issues. So the issues are certainly more complex than they have been in the past where usually, you know, campaigns were more, you know, centered around local issues. These are sort of issues that are happening everywhere right now. Is that kind of a message then to, whether people are running as challengers or people in the electorate that this election doesn't necessarily solve issues. Um, like the, the issues are so substantive, so systemic that, you know, just changing up council doesn't necessarily mean immediate widespread change. Yeah. I think, I think it's, it's disingenuous to say somebody, a councillor is going to solve affordable housing uh, mm. or they're going to solve the mental health issues. I mean, that's just, it, this council has certainly done a lot on, on homelessness and around the, at that, at, in our capacity. I mean, we, we can always do more and we're going to continue to do more, but there's been a lot more movement I've seen from a council perspective than I have in the past, maybe because we're trying to fill gaps at the province. But I think it's it's more difficult um, to make those promises. But you know, Adam, I've always ran a more value 
based campaign rather than an issues based campaign. So this is who I am. And this is how I approach that issue. And um, my approach to things and what I value more than, you know, I'm going to solve all these issues for you, you know, I, I so I, I tend to shy away from that and just sort of, you know, this is who I am, this is my record, and this is my experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I want to lean on your experience for a sec because I've and th- this isn't a kind of a work five issue, but I've seen a lot of candidates talk about reopening. Let's let's call it reopening the library debate. Now, yeah. you have been on council <laughs> long enough to remember when the debate started. So, in, in, in as little time as possible, could you maybe talk about? The, the, the pitfalls of going back to the well, as it were, going back to the drawing so, board. So, you know, yeah, sir, one of the biggest pitfalls is, you know, probably in, in, the, in the late 90s, this project was $20 million. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so delaying it um, doesn't, doesn't help. And this is a project that has had to jump through more hoops than any other project in the city. And I've ever seen in my history and probably since the history of the city, it's business cases, needs assessments, existing condition assessments, location assessments, all kinds of them. Like there must be about 10 different studies. Some of them repeated millions of dollars invested. So we really need to uh, get on with that. Plus we have a partner. There's anticipated to be a groundbreaking in the spring to try to get out of this now would probably cost more than what the library cost us. And I don't think people realize you're you're not going to solve anything. The existing library is in such bad condition. Um, An elevator that breaks down every week we know we can't expand on site that's been studied numerous times as well uh, that that breaks down every week often with people with disabilities inside that elevator um, there's a, a, an ancient HVAC system there's asbestos in that building we really cannot delay that project anymore so we have to we have to move forward with this it's it's just gonna be an astronomical cost not to actually Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of candidates, when they say that, I, I, I want to say to them, you need to go tour the existing library, really, you know? <laughs> and you need to look at the history of this. So, right. um, so I think it's folly for anybody to say that this is going to should be reopened. And if it does, I mean, if the next council chooses to reopen it, it it'll be uh, a huge expense far more than what the existing library costs us. We've already invested over 30 million in that, in, in that site. Right. To jump ahead a bit uh, to the present time, and some, this is a little more timely, given what happened in your ward this past weekend, the homecoming celebrations. <laughs> um, I know this has been at the police board. Um, it perhaps has, should be coming to council for debate too, but um, in terms of you know, who's responsible for these unsanctioned parties. And I think there's a lot of concern that it's, you know, probably causing more trouble and expense for the city than it, than it might be worth. You know, it's how are you looking at this, given that the university is in your ward? Right. So it, it you know, and I've been on the homecoming committee and the town and gallon committee. Um, and I understand that there's talks with the university about contributing to policing. I, I think Kingston does. I think Kingston that's a hundred thousand dollars a year. I could don't quote you on that. I've already said it, but I, anyway, I do know they get money from the university, and I think we should continue on that. I, I, you know, I have people in 
my neighborhoods are questioning, really questioning the value of homecoming. Uh, like, what is it? I, who's coming home? Um, and and is it because I, you know, I understand that the football game, and I I hear they sold like eight, over eight thousand tickets. It was you know you know hugely successful from that perspective. But what it now has become. When people say homecoming, they don't think of the football games now. They think, you know, the general community, they think of the parties and um, that happened in the neighborhood and the expense. And they see they see all the re responders that need to go, 40 ambulance visits, you know, fire, police, bylaw, all our bylaw were out. And you, you have to think, so what is really the value of this for the university and for the community? Um, and I understand that there are issues around canceling it because then, then the students or people who are involved in the parties, um, then, you know, they just pick an arbitrary date and say, this is going to be our homecoming party. But, you know, I, you wonder if, well, you may have tried that once. Should, if you, for five years, it wasn't a homecoming like this or they did something else. So I, I think it does need continued evaluation. And, and I will continue to have that conversation and ask the university, what value is this really for our community? It does, it undoes a lot of the, uh, how the community feels about them. It undoes a lot of goodwill. It does. Uh, well, that brings us to the end and the most essential question of all, which is where can people learn more about you and your campaign? So they can look at my website, www.kathydowner.ca. They can email me at kathydowner at rogers.com. And uh, yeah, you'll find all, all my information there. And all, all the reasons, all the, the long questionnaires that I've answered as well. <laughs> including yours. <laughs> including mine. Fair enough. Uh, Kathy Downer, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Adam. Take care. I'm joined by Hashem Gennady, who's running in Ward 5 for one of the two available seats in the election on October 24th, one of six candidates running. Welcome to the program, Hashem. Thank you, Scott, for having me. I uh, really appreciate the opportunity to be heard. So as someone who's a, a new face on the local political scene, can you talk a bit about yourself? Just a short biography. Yeah, of course. Um, my name is Hisham Gennady. I'm um, I'm a law professor. I'm um, also financial and business advisor, and then I'm a political analyst. I moved to Guelph in 2013. Um, I lived in Ward 5 since I moved in. I actually chose Guelph, so it was my choice to come to Guelph after wandering too many countries before I come here. So yeah, I, I actually I visited over 30 countries before I moved here. I worked for United Nations for a while. Um, also, I worked for many other uh, international and government organizations. So um, I moved with my family, of course. Course. My kids attend school here. My wife work here for uh, uh, immigrant service, and um, uh, I really like. I, I thought that is I can bring something new to the council. Not all, not only because my diverse background, but also I, I believe I have all always um, like innovate innovative. Uh, vision for anything I do. Uh, I believe like my, the center of my work was always democracy. And I believe like the city council is the most important role in the community. They are affecting every, every uh, day life. And um, I believe I can add to it. Even though the election's still about a month away, most candidates have been out and about canvassing. I'm sure you have been as well. What have you been hearing from the people of Ward 5? 
it seems like everyone have almost the same concerns and in some areas they have different concerns but the main concern everyone has of course is um, housing affordability and the increase of taxes uh, which is really challenging because we look into uh, growing Guelph. Guelph is a great city to live in and it's attracting more people with also with the initiative uh, the previous council already approved, which is or endorsed. Many of them was like really great endorsements. So we are attracting more people and we are growing fast in a good way, not in a bad way. We are, we are, we are growing on the right speed, I believe. Um, but on the cost of housing affordability. Um, with housing affordability, of course, there is the issue of um, mental illness. There is the, the uh, homelessness issue. Um, also people um, concerned about the public transit, the safety, the road safety. So there is many concerns, but also people like to see more city facilities on, on Ward 5. They feel like they don't have uh, enough pub, like city facilities in World 5 that is, they can meet and they can have activities, especially for uh, younger like adults, like not, no, or not younger adults, like youth, like people in high school, they don't have any activities to do with the city or at least not enough in, in World 5. So I'm kind of speaking to young people a little bit. The largest voting block in, in five is, without a doubt, the students at U of G. And they're kind of not often as engaged as they might be in municipal issues as they should be. How would you represent the students at City Hall? Yeah, so um, I really believe that is my job as a city council is to be the advocate for the community in the city council. So I, I would, I'm, I, I'm coming from uh, academic background, so I deal with students on daily basis. And they really know their concerns, and they, it's really important to make them feel included in our community. The diversity background they bring to our city is great. Like we, like the University of Guelph, they have people not only from all over Canada, but from all over the, 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 uh, the world. So it's, um, I am really uh, planning to be in touch with them on weekly, monthly, and daily basis if needed um, to make sure that their voice are, are they, their voices are heard because this is my job. My plan is to facilitate many of the technology and social media platform to interact more and make their voice heard. So you sort of touched on it briefly earlier. One of the hot button issues as always is taxes and the tax rate when it comes to municipal elections. Now I know from your Vision on your website, you said that you're for a tax cut. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, so it's um, also this is one of the things that is we we need balance, and it's it's it is I think or I believe this is the most difficult issue because we need money to run the city. Ninety percent of the city budget go to like main service to go to the sewer, go to the water, go to the uh, garbage removal. So it's really, it's, it's, we can just cut it, but we can make the city income higher and we can also do uh, some like like if we facilitate some technologies that is existing now i believe we can make the budget is more efficient the service we we provide is more efficient um uh, plus we can uh, uh maximize the tax the, the city income 
not only by taxes but by other other means also the collaboration with with municipal i'm sorry with the province government with the federal government and the non-profit organization and the private sector i believe it's a key for 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 this balance of growth and affordability Speaking of uh, technology, which you mentioned there, I, I was very interested. You were talking about on your website the use of smart city technology and the Internet of Things as solutions for the city, particularly regarding uh, the Net Zero 2050 initiative. Can you talk a bit about that? Because there, there aren't a lot of candidates talking about technology mm-hmm. as a direct solution for city issues. Yeah, so of course, this is long term solution. And I believe like it is a future of everything. The Internet of Things is the future of everything. But on top of it, so we it, it's data-driven technology. So we can make all the service the city provide, we can make it more accessible and also more efficient. Uh, this is this is the beauty of the Internet of Things. That is, with all the data you collect, you can make your service very efficient, which will reduce the cost of providing it. On top of it, using the Internet of Things with the blockchain technology, you can actually generate money for the city because this data there is many, and that's public data. It's not like private data, or it's something that will people will people should worry about their privacy. But there is there is data out there. There is many companies they are looking for it, and they provide service based on these data. So they they will provide service um, to the city to the residents based on this data. So the the use of the blockchain technology with the Internet of Things, we can we can generate money and also have the service we provide um, more efficient. If you were elected, what would be your first order of business? What would you want to be top of mind on the new council's agenda in October? I can't think about only one thing. It's hard to choose one thing. But for the short term, I think the homelessness issue, we have to find a quick, like at least temporary or short-term solution before the winter come, which is I, 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 have a, I have a specific plan I would like to implement, collaborating with not only the, the province and the federal government, but also with private sector and non-for-profit organizations. I, I think they can play key role in solving this problem. But, the, but on the long term, I would like to see, um, I, I would like to start immediately on the the tiny house and the Internet of Things um, uh, technology, like implementation immediately. This is that will be my for because again, that's it's a, a, a long term plan and it will take time to implement and it will take time to see its fruits. But it's it's really important. So that is that is my plan for the for the first thing I will. Um, um, uh, I will focus on, but also I am listening to my uh, to, to the community. So maybe uh, this is not important for them. Maybe it will be something else. It's v- more important than my plan. In this case, I will follow their lead and I will follow what they they want me to do. So finally, something that we ask everyone as well is, why should the voters of Ward Five choose you on October twenty fourth? So I believe I have a unique experience. I lived in many countries. I saw how important is the local government. That's uh, it is the key 
for success in for the for the succession of any of any government so based on my previous in, uh, experience with with international organizations with uh, uh, with governments i think i have this unique diverse background that is i can bring to the city council that is um uh, uh uh, will enrich the city council basically this is this is what i'm looking forward to collaborate with other councils with my with my new vision i have very um uh, um i have initiatives that is will be unique to to world five so i like to implement them based on my uh, diverse background well thanks for joining us today hisham and if people would like to get in touch with you and find out more about you how can they do that my website has all the information at sugwalf5.ca and it has all the information. It has my email, my phone number, it has all the social media platform and it will be updated. I'm actually, once we are close to the election, I'm planning to have an app for World 5. People will be able to communicate very easily and see what we do in the council and also I can hear them quicker and and hear all of them basically thanks again and best of luck on the campaign trail You're great okay thank you scott so we're joined by denise renault one of six candidates who's running for one of two seats in ward five in the municipal election on october 24th welcome to the show denise well thank you very much for having me scott kind of by way of introduction as someone who hasn't run for council before can you just tell us a bit about yourself well i am born and raised in guelph second generation I have raised, uh, lived here all my life, raised my family, and I've, you know, worked in various restaurants throughout the city in various uh, capacities. I have uh, volunteered for the sea, preparing meals for the um, food insecure, as well as delivered those meals, as well as other food. I also volunteered for Habitat for Humanity, and uh, celebrate recovery. I prepare luncheons for them after their meetings. And I volunteer for a rescue of senior dogs. So, and, and you're not actually a complete stranger to City Hall because you're on the planning advisory committee. That's true. Uh, can you talk a bit about that? Uh, is, did that kind of like shape your political perspective or intent to get more involved? It was part of it, yes. Uh, it was a very, it's very interesting to be on uh, the planning committee. It uh, gives you a little insight as to, you know, the, the gears and the, the workings of how the city works from the inside out and have the opportunity to share my views and express, you know, keep an eye on where we're going in the city of Guelph. Initially, you intended to run in Ward 1, but you switched to Ward 5. What was it that made you change your mind as to where to run? Well, actually, I was kind of encouraged to spread the vote around a little bit. Oh. Um, due to the fact that, you know, at the time, uh, there was only the two incumbents that were uh, on right. the ballot at the time. Mm -hmm. So people thought it would be, you know, a little boring if there wasn't more to choose from. Ward 5 is, is an interesting ward and in that kind of has a covers a cross-section of the neighborhoods. Uh, those of us like yourself and myself that have been here long enough kind of consider it the old South End, right? At court right, right. there is kind of the end yeah. of the line. <laughs> Are there any specific issues to Ward 5 that have come up so far? That It's the, the building, like 
people don't want the days in tore down to make room for that uh, for the student housing. Right. They think it's going to be a bit of an albatross, and uh, they're concerned of what's it going to do to their property values and to their their view. So you know that's a that's a really big issue with the people in Ward Five. They're not happy about that. And uh, Ward Five, as we know, is also home to the U of G. How would you, uh, as somebody who's going to represent Ward 5, represent the students at City Hall? Well, I think it, that's a difficult question because, you know, the students, they come and go. Mm-hmm. So, and, and they're not, they're more transient. They're not really um, the people that live in the city who really have an investment here. So um, to represent them, though, I think it would be like to make sure that, you know, they, they get um, their voices heard as well. But they need to be heard. They need to be respected. So have you have you been out campaigning yet? Been out early yet? But have you been out on the trail? Uh, we're, well, because I have to re-prepare. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've re- refocused uh, my attention to preparing a new Facebook page. I've redone my web page. I'm redoing my flyers. And uh, yeah, we'll be out there very soon. So. Uh, what I've seen on your, at least on your old, for the old, older Facebook page, that one of your key campaign themes is your belief in a fiscally responsible government, a city run as a business. And I think you put it as, as a folly regarding, you know, certain Correct. developments. Correct. Um, what steps or initiatives w- would you take to bring that vision about to see a more fiscally responsible government? Well, I do believe that we need to um, take another look at that 10% tax increase over two years. I think that's going to be very difficult for um, people. I think seniors are really going to feel the crunch from that, as well as people that are just, you know, getting by paycheck to paycheck. Like, it's actually, if you look at it, it's going to be more than 10% because it's going to be compounded, right? So it's, I think it's 4.79 year one, 5.17 year two, but when you do the the one and then on top of the other, you're going to notice it's going to be a little bit more than your actual 10%. And I think that's too much of a burden for people in the city to absorb for the most part, especially now with the rate of inflation and uh, the cost of gas and, you know, trying just to keep family and and a roof over your head. So, and in terms of like developments in towns, one that comes up a lot or has come up a lot in the past is is the library. Um, would you see a more fiscally responsible city kind of throttling back on developments like that and kind of gearing certain things down? Or what well, I think the city they've created a very contentious uh, momentum with the library. I don't think um, a lot of people are very happy with how. <laughs> That has transpired mm-hmm. and uh, they feel that maybe we didn't need that much of a library to that expense because, you know, it's the 68 million, but it's going to be a lot more than that because uh, Guelph has a record of never being able to do anything on budget and on time. Let's be, you know, to be straightforward and honest about it. So I think, you know, going forward, people are going to expect, the you know, the council to really pick and choose their projects and make sure that they're, you know, very important and and very necessary. Like our infrastructure is a mess. Our transportation, our bus service needs to be, we're getting bigger, but our bus service can't handle the load of people or get people to where they need to be with, you know, in a timely manner. 
So those are things that we need to look at. And maybe we could invest more in that and less in frivolous things or, you know, less important things, I guess. I know I'm going to catch it for that, but anyway. You've also been active in efforts to address the uh, ongoing and worsening crisis of addiction and in Guelph. Now, can you talk a bit about your experience there and uh, how do you feel that by being on city council could help steer the conversation in a certain way? Well, um, if you look on Guelph today, you'll see an article in respect to the fact that I lost my daughter to uh, accidental fentanyl overdose. Yes, I did see that. I'm sorry to hear that. Yes. And Troy did a lovely article in respect to that. Also, too, I've been teaming up with Donnie Hay, and we were trying very hard to get a detox center in Guelph or Mm -hmm. some kind of help for the people of Guelph besides just a seven-day in and out uh, program or an outpatient care, which really I don't see either one of them working because people haven't had the opportunity to work on their triggers and to work on their trauma in those very short days or in an outpatient uh, system. Also too, I'm not a fan of uh, safe injection site or uh, safe drug supply. I think it's more, we're not really offering anything else and uh, we need to offer, we need more tools in the box. We need to get more su- mental health support and we need to get more opportunities for people to get clean instead of, you know, kind of just kind of saying it's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine anybody wanting to wake up every day wanting to be a drug addict. Like there's got to be a point where you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm very strong there. And uh, especially when you lose somebody, right? somebody falls through the cracks, right? By extension to that, in terms of the uh, housing issues in town, which are becoming, well, chronic, I guess, at this point, in terms of uh, affordability, I understand that you are a, do you call it a Habitat for Humanity recipient or you're involved in the... I'm a a partner family. Partner family. Correct. So uh, what a partner partner family is, is um, I applied and I was awarded the opportunity to participate in City View Village, which is the the last um, multi-house project that Habitat has created. And uh, to be fortunate enough, I have a a little one-bedroom condo. I had to put in 250 hours of volunteer work in lieu of my down payment. And they in turn hold for me a gear to income mortgage that I can own my own home. So yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky to have been able to do that. I just wish there was more of it. And, uh, so that people aren't paying like almost $2,000 for a one bedroom apartment. You know, it's difficult, right? And would you see yourself as somebody that might champion uh, putting forward programs like that if you're on uh, council? Absolutely. It makes a world of difference, even for the families we have here. And, uh, you know, being in a, like a geared to income situation, families have the opportunity to, you know, their kids have the opportunity to maybe play sports or parents have the opportunity to save for college, where if they're paying, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, trying to keep a roof over their heads, the kids aren't going to have that because 
the money's not there. And uh, it's just, it's just not fair. Do you have anything that would be, let's say, your first order of business, not necessarily a magic wand, but if elected to council, what would be your priority one, number one? That priority you would... one yeah. um, would definitely be to have a look at this um, 10% uh, tax increase and see if we can revamp it and bring it down because I think it's far too much for the people of the city, you know, for families and for seniors and for people who, you know, are by themselves just trying to own their house and keep their house and keep food in their mouth and gas in their car. It's too much to and add that burden onto them too. So is there anything else just generally that you'd like the uh, voters out there, the people of Guelph to know about you? I just want them to know that like, I'm, you know, I will be, do my best. I pledge to, you know, represent them the best way I can. I will always be honest, obviously sometimes a little too honest. And uh, I'll always have an open door policy where people can, you know, reach out to me with their, you know, concerns or if they don't, if there's something they want to, you know, have a look at and we can discuss it and hopefully we can find a solution for it. Great. So you had said that you're, you're kind of retooling your social media and whatnot, but if people wanted to learn more about you currently and, you know, about your campaign or just wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? You can reach out to my uh, my webpage is my name, Denise Renault, and it's spelled D-E-N-E-S-E-R-E-N-A-U-D dot C-A. Uh, I also have a Facebook page and my uh, webpage is connected to my Facebook page. And you can also reach me by Gmail at DeniseWard5 dot Gmail dot com. At gmail.com, sorry. Well, thanks for joining us today, Denise, and uh, best of luck on the campaign trail. Well, thank you very much for taking the time, Scotty. Thanks for the opportunity. And that's it for this special edition of the show. We hope you liked it. You can stay connected to us at our website at opensourcesguelph.com. You can find us on Facebook at Open Sources Newswire, and we're on Twitter at OS underscore Guelph. You can listen to any episode of Open Sources by downloading it from our website. You can get it from the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean or via your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, or you can check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. You can find Scotty on Facebook and Twitter at Scotty Hertz, H-E-R-T-Z. And you can find out all sorts of information about CFRU, including programs and volunteer opportunities and the weekly top 20 list. You can find all of that at CFRU.ca. Coming up on Open Sources in the next couple of weeks on the October 13th and October 20th show, we will have interviews with the people who are running to be the next mayor of Guelph. That is at our regular time, Thursday at 5 p.m. And for all things Open Sources or CFRU, stay tuned to this feed. The hits just keep on coming, and we will see you next time.